0: Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Powered by Search. And each week we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos, and revenue using Demand Gen, SEO, and paid media. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Insider Marketing, the show which takes a SaaS company's marketing strategy, looks at what they're doing great and where they could improve with SEO, PPC and demand gen. Today I'm joined by Ali. Ali, how's it going? Yeah, all good, Mark. Happy to be here. All right. Ali says all good. He's feeling pretty unwell. He is a total soldier today. Bless him. Ali, I appreciate you.
1: Hey man, you know, I'm ready to talk STO anytime, so I'm happy to be here.
0: This guy. Okay, well, today we're talking about Field Pulse, and to give you a little bit of context about Field Pulse, here is a intro that I prepared on them. Now, before we dive into the episode, I want to give you some context around Field Pulse. Field Pulse is a field service management tool. They were founded in 2015 in Texas. And like the majority of companies we're gonna talk about on insider marketing, we don't have conversion or revenue data. So we gotta make some inferences. I bet this time is that they're doing between six to 10 million ARR with a marketing team of five and a team of about 42 people overall. Today, we're going to share strategy ideas for demand gen, SEO, and PPC with Powered by Search Director of SEO, Ali Nakfi. Let's dive in. So that was a little bit of information about Field Pulse. And uh, today, we're just going to
1: cover off SEO and demand gen. And we're going to start with Ali. Yeah, cool. So I want to talk about, you know, some of the things that they're doing really well. My first impressions of the website are um, that, it's actually in pretty decent shape from a technical perspective. So no real kind of huge red flags in terms of you know page speed and user experience, which is obviously a key uh, ranking factor at the moment and well, has been for a while. And they're even using things like schema markup on their FAQ pages, which I think is a great you know way to increase your chances of generating rich snippets in Google and capturing more of that search real estate. So again, they're doing pretty okay in terms of organic search traffic. Yes, it's only around 10% of their whole. So obviously there's opportunity for growth there within their own marketing mix. But I think they are actually appearing for a a wide variety of keywords. It's just the type of keywords that they're appearing for is where I think there's probably like opportunity to uh, be a little bit more targeted for their ideal customer profile. But we can dig into that a little bit more.
0: All right. Well, hey, look, so why don't we do that right now? What do you mean when you say uh, targeted for that customer profile?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that really stood out for me was some of their top organic keywords that they were currently ranking for are actually related to memes and electrician jokes. And I thought that might be a bit of an anomaly, but then I looked into it a little bit deeper and they actually have a page dedicated to um, jokes around electricians, 24 of the best electrician jokes and memes, etc. They're actually generating a lot of organic search traffic for that page. My question, of course, is how relevant that traffic is and how well it converts. My guess would be not very well. So what I've seen is that some of their competitors are actually doing something quite similar. So when I look at keyword overlap reports with the likes of workis.com, fieldvibe.com, managemark.com, there's actually a lot of keyword overlap for these meme and joke and basically entertaining sort of topics. And here's my guess or my hunch looking at that competitor set, right? My guess is they've all kind of gone in there and done the traditional SEO keyword research process, found that there isn't a lot of search volume around their actual products and services. And then freaked out a little bit and thought, okay, well, how are we going to get people to our website? Because that's kind of the traditional mindset of, you know, we need as many people on our website as possible. And then it seems like, you know, everyone's sort of gone in and created their educational slash entertaining content. Main question that we ask, as you know, at Powered by Search is, are you getting the right kind of people to your website? And, you know, are you actually addressing their pain points? I guess you could argue that... <laughs> wanting to be entertained and find jokes is a pain point, but probably not the most important one when it comes to choosing which field service software that you wanna select.
0: We think about pain point content in terms of like, what is it that is causing the customer who's gonna ultimately use your product to lose productivity, to lose money, to take on emotional strain? to feel like they can't scale their business those are four pretty common things that we would go okay what are those problems um when we talk about positioning we talk in terms of like inefficiency unproductive and just generally try to understand what it is that they're doing currently that is not great for the growth of their companies or their growth as individuals and target those things so in a sense unless you're like an electrical comedian electrician memes are probably not the, not the thing to do, even though you're going to get a lot of search volume. If you rank for, rank for those terms, you're going to get people coming to your site, but like, you're not a newspaper, right? You want customers, not viewers.
1: Yeah. And that's a great point, you know, and I think it's one of those things where in our industry, there's a lot of noise about, you know, companies need to be media companies, right? Businesses need to act like media companies. And I think sometimes that, gets mistaken for, well, we need to just attract as many eyeballs possible. But if you're really starting to, well, if you're trying to build a business on the back of people who actually desperately need what you offer, you know, you very quickly start realizing that a lot of that content doesn't really do much for you. And there's a lot of noise. So, you know, you start thinking about the particular pain points as you were talking about. And then I think the next thing that leads you to think is, okay, well, what type of content would actually address a person who is in the market for what we offer, right? Like address their needs. So I kind of viewed some of their existing blog content with that lens. And apart from the kind of joke and the meme content, I found other pieces such as, there's one article on how to find more work as a contractor, right? There's another article on how to set up your van as an electrician. Now, I'm not trying to argue with the usefulness of this information, but what I look at is, is their ideal customer going to be searching for this type of content? You know, because in my mind, they actually work with people, contractors who have a problem that they need to scale their business. And now they cannot manage everything from resource management to invoicing, to scheduling, you know, customer contact management on their own. Right. And I think you might've even like raised the point about, there are certain cases where they demonstrate, you know, the empathy of, you know, seeing somebody like writing, trying to write an invoice on their, you know, knees for a job, that's the kind of insight that shows, you know, you truly understand where your ICP is. But is the person that you're trying to attract trying to find more work? Well, probably, but that might not be their biggest pain point, right? Um, So there's a couple of other examples there from content that they've created that useful, yes, but biggest pain point, probably not. However, in fairness, there are some pieces that do address what I could imagine would be pain points. So there's a piece on cross state electrical license reciprocity, right? That's a mouthful, but essentially, for the electricians, providing them with information on, okay, is your license going to be valid if you go into another state? For somebody who's established running a business, I could see that being quite useful. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I actually
0: really like this one, uh, the Electrical License Reciprocity by State report. I think it's a good, smart piece of content. In fact, we have a client in a different industry. They're in shipping and freight management. They did a, it was kind of like a checklist for people to reference when there was a new piece of legislation coming in and people were unsure about how the legislation would affect them. So we ran a Facebook ads campaign that targeted people who were in the industry and sent them to this industry report, which we would then use to generate MQLs because it was timely, it was policy-based, which is confusing for people, and it was to do with the whole business growth, right? So that was incredibly successful. We've got a case study of it on our site. Titan GPS was the client. So yeah, check that out. Okay, some things that I picked up on this page when I looked at it, Ali, the slug thing that goes into the URL bar, it's electrical licensourcity by state 2021. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like adding you know, 2021 to the end of something makes it less timely for Google in future. Is that a fair
1: assessment? Yeah, I think I understand what you mean. So um, in a way, you're trying to make it more timely by adding the the, the year um, to the URL by making it hyper specific but the obvious question is what happens when you know you take over to the next year right like do you create a new page for 2022 and redirect the old page thereby losing some of the authority um, so yeah I think it's a fair point to raise while the freshness of content is actually an important ranking factor and it's certainly something that we actively recommend as part of our content strategy. I would say, look to freshen the content on the page itself. And obviously you can update your titles, your meta, etc., to reflect the year uh, or the date. But as for the URL, you want to keep it neutral because then you won't have to redirect it once you change the year.
0: Yeah, you got it. Thanks for translating that for me. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's totally the thing. So like you've got 50 states here. Oh, uh, what is it? 52, 51? I can never remember. Or 50. Please don't quiz
1: me. Yeah, I'm terrible. I'm terrible about this.
0: Sorry, everyone in America. Ali and I are both in the UK, although the rest of the team is in Canada. So I'm sure when they listen to this, they'll make fun of us. But however many states are in the US, we you've got a long list there. Now, that's great. But this page could be made easier to use and ultimately probably retain people for a little longer and give you some unique ways to capture feel pulse some unique ways to capture mqls with this page. So, taking this and saying, okay, well this is a blog post, but maybe we make it interactive and maybe we allow people to, you know, select which which state they're in so that they could get maybe a, you know, see the information directly there and then we offer them a guide to Electrical license reciprocity by state as an email download. So what you have to do to, I assume, operate in each state, and give them like effectively a checklist that would give you the email addresses of people who want this, have the problem, and then you could use that to guide them further down the funnel. Because what Field Pulse is doing here is they're saying, okay, here's this piece of information. And then at the very top of their blog post, they've got a call to action, which says get a demo, but that get a demo is actually not related or the copy that goes with that more efficiency, less paperwork, easily managed jobs, customer scheduling, employees. That is not actually related to the the pain point or the content of the post. We've found that it's much more effective to align calls to action with the content of the post and then use the following kind of the thank you pages uh, for downloading lead, uh, lead magnets and stuff like that to actually guide prospects further down the funnel in an organic way. So that's a couple of things that I think looking at that page would improve this from a demand gem perspective. But I love that they've put some time into generating this kind of content because it is really valuable for B2B. Uh, what else you got, Ali?
1: Yeah, I think I'd probably like take a step back and just kind of look at the website architecture. And firstly, you know our playbook, which I'm sure you'll share in the show notes, um, when it comes to the what we call the SaaS authority architecture, or you know in simple terms, what we've learned over the past you know decade plus in what works best in the structure and layout of a B2B SaaS website. I think they're actually doing quite a good job in having a lot of the key elements, such as, you know, the features, the benefits pages, you know, resources, FAQs, etc. cetera. Um, they obviously have a section where they talk about specific industries that they service as well. Where I think there's actually a lot of opportunity is to create competitor comparison pages, you know, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, where you want to find the people who are as close as possible to, you know, making a buying decision, right? And if you think about what are the sort of things that they'd be searching for, they would be searching for, you know, use cases or comparison or, you know, ROI calculators stuff that we talk about in another playbook um, called the buyer awareness matrix.
0: We've got a lot of playbooks, guys. Uh, (laughs) If you're listening to this and you're thinking that sounds great, you just go onto our blog and we've got a search form on there that you can use to kind of find the thing that you're most interested in. We publish basically our whole methodology and make it open so that everybody can you know, implement it if they want to without ever talking to us. But we find a lot of people tend to read it and then say, that sounds great. I want someone to implement it for us and they come to us directly, which is why we
1: do it. hundred percent. I've actually, just a side note, probably in the last couple of months onboarded four clients that learned about us that way. So it's certainly something that that works well. But yeah, so I think that's probably where a lot of the um, early opportunities would be. You know, if we were to work with a client like that, you know, the low hanging fruits definitely around the comparison pages. And the other thing is alternatives as well, right? You know, what is the alternative to competitor X?
0: For sure. I was just tweeting about this yesterday, actually. The best pages in SaaS are not the ones that just try to say, hey, we've got these features and they've got these features. They're the ones that say, okay, look, these features, pretty much all software is going to have the same features, right, in an industry. Because for it to be buyable by a business, someone is going to do a comparison and say, okay, does it have the basics? And you you have to be able to answer yes, right? Now, the thing that makes those competitor comparison pages and alternatives pages work for businesses is when they position themselves in the piece in a way that says, "Okay, look, we've got all these features, but here's why we work so well for a specific customer or a set of specific customers versus our competitors working for that same set of customers, right? Now, this feels like a good moment to talk about positioning because I just said it about eight times in the last paragraph. so. I think field service SaaS, and we've got a couple of clients in field service who people will have heard of. So we've got a bit of experience of this. What I've observed is that in field service SaaS, people make common promises like build your business, get more clients all in one tool and quote on the spot. Those are like the four most common promises that I see when I look at these industries. Now, what you don't normally see is someone who stands out from the crowd, and I think that there's a number of ways for Field Pulse to do that. The trick with positioning is to focus on the pain points that you solve for your best fit customers. I'm gonna get pain point tattooed to my arm soon, I say it so much uh, in work. Most field service and, you know, software in general will find that they fall into either I'm switching because I want a specialized tool or I'm switching because I don't want to use paper anymore. Those are the two kind of main buckets. Now, I'm betting that Field Pulse is actually going after the latter, which is I don't want to use paper anymore. So I'm switching to a digital tool. So they're maybe first time adopters. I think that they could really drill down on this message. I love Field Pulse's brand. I love that they've got a picture of Gabe, their founder, on their homepage. And I think he looks friendly. He looks like a person who's done this work. And if you click on their why page and you go to the About Field Pulse, they've got this beautiful story about Gabe doing work as a contractor. And he says, when the contractor sat on the floor to fill out the job's invoice, and then they've got this sentence on there, which says no more kneeling on hardwood floors to fill out invoices or schedule the next job. Feel Pulse takes the paper out of work. So much good stuff in that. So a couple of things I love. A, it acknowledges that the customers have literal pain points. You know, their knees are hurting, right? They spend their whole day doing work, which is physically challenging on their bodies. It makes sense to drill into that and really focus on communicating, A, that you understand the pain, and B, that you created this piece of software so that it could solve their specific problems because you had those problems as well, right? that's a really powerful position to to go from. And when you kind of augment that with what FeelPulse could do, which is saying basically like our founders knees hurt so we made the software to do this better, you're differentiating on shared values. So we have we have five ways to differentiate companies, so their shared values, strategy, structure, systems or style. Shared values is a really strong one, especially when you're dealing with maybe smaller businesses because small business owners need to know that they're doing business with someone who gets them versus like if you're selling to enterprise businesses who like they just care about the practical stuff versus the kind of the emotional stuff that goes with it. I think If Feel Pulse were to take Gabe's story and the stories of other people they, you know, maybe talked to when they were founding the company and turn that into their messaging and really drill into that, that I think would improve their positioning, which ultimately improves a lot of their marketing or gives them a greater compulsion for a visitor to their website to convert because they say, oh, I was like Gabe or I am like Gabe was Therefore, I'm going to read further or I'm going to take action because if this solved Gabe's problem, then it's going to solve mine too. But what I'm seeing right now in the messaging, while it is effective, it's clear, it lacks the character which the brand really deserves, not because the character's not there, but because it's not clear enough. And that, I think, is a big opportunity. And we've only just looked at the hero on their homepage to kind of communicate that, you know but it goes throughout the whole site. So like the pricing page, for example, all-inclusive simple pricing, sounds like maybe the pain point for a lot of their customers is that you have to buy a bunch of different tools. But if you were to take this and you were saying like, you would kind of make this messaging about the client versus the product that they're buying and say like, we've got this tool analogy, like you buy so many tools for work, like you don't need to buy more software tools and basically positioning themselves as the friend of the contractor versus a product that solves the contractor's problems. I think that would be pretty strong for them. That's what I would recommend that they look at immediately in terms of positioning. What do you think about that, Ali?
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I think what I'm hearing there is, and which I agree with as well, is I think they've got a really solid foundation to work from. Obviously, you know, the founder's story and you just get the sense from some of the imagery and some of the background that they share the website that I guess they've got that empathy for their end user. And I'd love to see that, you know, expanded on a little bit, you know, with some of the copy and, and some of the positioning, as you said, and I think it probably ties in really nicely with one of their kind of, I guess I wouldn't call it necessarily USP, but certainly one of their strengths, which is their award-winning customer support team. Right. Cause I can imagine with, with, company that has such a strong founder presence and a backstory from the founder having essentially lived through the the pain that he's trying to solve for other people that comes through in their customer service and the way they communicate uh, with people day to day. And they certainly do a good job of kind of capturing a lot of that in the FAQs already, but I'd love to see that expanded on because what that kind of content does is, you know, the pain points that you've solved the actual words and terminologies that your customers have used in their sales conversations with you or the support conversations. Well, guess what? There's going to be thousands, hopefully of other people that are going to potentially have exactly the same kind of problem. And we talked at the start about, you know, yes, there is volume potentially in, you know, meme and entertainment type content, but what you really want to find is the volume in the pain point type of content, you know, that, you're getting the inspiration for from your customer conversations and kind of, you know, I guess your existing customers.
0: It's a great summary, if I'm honest, Ali. Thanks for doing my job for me. I love it. Teamwork. All right, guys, well, that's all we have time for today. But Ali, thanks so much for coming here. I hope you feel better soon. Thanks, man. (laughs) No worries. And I'd love to see if uh, Pulse end up implementing any of these ideas. I'd love to hear from those guys over there as well. All right. Thanks for your time, everyone. Have a great day. Well, that's it for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here. Because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups with demand gen SEO, or PPC. Now, if you want us to help you with that, you can book a SaaS scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar. Or you can follow me on Twitter at IamMarkThomas, that's Mark with a C, or follow our founder, Dev Basu, that's D-E-V-B-A-S-U. I'll see you next time for another episode of Insider Marketing.